0: Why don't you open with me to Jeremiah chapter 29 in your Bibles. I'm excited to preach this message again. I preached it in the nine o'clock and I'm excited to bring it again. And if you want to put a marker in Hebrews chapter 12, you can do that as well. Come on online, stay with us. If you're online, stay engaged. Open up your Bibles and your notebooks at home. Let's get into God's word together. All right, Jeremiah 29 and verse 1. The title of this passage is A Letter to the Exiles, and it says this, Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This was after King Jeroachin, the, the queen mother, the court officials, and all, and the other officials of Judah, and all the craftsmen and artisans had been departed from Jerusalem. He sent the letter with um, Elisar, the son of Shaphan, and Jemariah, the son of Hilkiah, When they went to Babylon as King Zedekiah's ambassadors to Nebuchadnezzar. This is what Jeremiah's letter said. Okay, so this is God speaking to his people that are in exile. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives. He has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Important point there, it says, he has exiled. Do you see that? Write a line under it. He has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Verse 5, build homes, God says, and plan to stay. (laughs) You're in exile, build homes and plan to stay. That's encouraging, right? It gets better. It says, plant gardens and eat the food they, they produce. Marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray for the Lord for it. for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. And verse 10, this is what we're gonna zero in on today. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. I love that. I will bring you home again, for, the, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, what a promise here, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. I want to preach a message today with this title, okay? You can write it down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, you can write it down. The vision of your life. That's the title this morning, The Vision of Your Life, Jeremiah 29. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity it is, Lord, to consider again your word and how it applies to our life and how good your word is, Father. Thank you for the authority of the scriptures in our life, God. Father, we thank you for everything you're doing in this place, God. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to come right now and minister God's word to us. Minister the word of God into our hearts teach us new things, help us to see from different angles, to get revelation, God, for for insight, for knowledge, God, but ultimately to get an even better, greater glimpse of Jesus. Father, we thank you for it. We pray for Colonial Kids, our mighty little army of Colonial Kids. Father, we thank you that you're raising them up, you're blessing them. Father, we would ask that you cause your face to shine upon those kids, Lord, as you build them up in Jesus' name. And we all said together, Amen. 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 The vision of your life. Everyone needs a little vision. Our church needs vision. We just celebrated a great Vision Sunday. Talked about the vision that God has for us, that the future has never looked so good. Why? Because Jesus is in our future. Jesus is fixed in our future. The vision statement of our church is to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church whose focus is Jesus And mission is to welcome people home. The great commandment, the great commission encompassed in that. But ultimately, what are we all about as a church? We're all about Jesus. We're all about Jesus. Without Jesus, there's no hope at all. But with Jesus, the future has never looked so good. Can I get a Pentecostal amen on a Sunday morning? There we go. I like that. That was hearty. But I wonder when was the last time You revisited the vision of your own life, your life. See, in Jeremiah 29, the nation of Israel is in desperate need of some good old-fashioned godly revelation, vision. And that's what Jeremiah's job was. You talk about a job. Man, Jeremiah, he had a job. He had a job to keep pushing the people of Israel, to keep inspiring them, to keep bringing revelation, to keep bringing vision. The nation was staring down the barrel of a hard road, a hard time, 70 years, God says. But he says this, he says, make sure you still live your life. Make sure you go and do well. Plant, build families, work for the good of the city that I have sent you to. I think that's quite interesting. That even in the midst of your circumstances, make the best of your circumstances, God says. But ultimately, what is God saying through Jeremiah? He's saying, don't forget that I still have a vision for your life. I still have a vision for the nation of Israel. I still have a vision for the people of God. And I feel like this is a word today for someone, that God has a vision for your life. Everybody needs some vision. Vision is a good thing. Vision is a good thing. Let me show you a few verses about vision from the Scriptures. Habakkuk 2. Verse 2 says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits, it's a point time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seemeth slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. Look at this. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, other translations says they... They run wild. The people run wild, dwell carelessly, live in a way that's anti-God, live in a way that's anti-His heart for them. But it says, but blessed is the one who keeps the law. Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1, now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Look at it. There was no frequent vision. Genesis 15 and verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. It came in a vision. The Bible, the Scriptures is filled with vision. It's filled with vision. So point number one today, I want you to write this down. Point number one, I just want everyone to really get this in their spirits, this vision season. There's a point to this message today because we're in vision season as a house. And if we're in vision season as a house, listen to me, friend, that means we're in vision season for you personally. I am in the vision, I'm in the business of vision season for you. Consider me your, your vision guy. I'll make a home visit too. I won't, I won't, but maybe I will. Number one, here we go. Number one, God has vision for your life. I really pray this sears into your spirit, that you get this on the inside of you. Much has been made of Jeremiah 29, 11, but I'll tell you this, it's interesting, that Jeremiah 29, 11, Uh, Chapter 29 and verse 11 is the most Googled passage in the Bible. Did you know that? The most Googled passage in the Bible. The most looked up and read. Why? Because people need hope. People need vision. People are wondering, has God got something better for me? Is there there a God out there? And if God is real, then has he got something good in store for me? People need vision. September 2020, can I just encourage you, never before (laughs) in this generation of people needed vision and hope more than right now. That's why we've been making sure to build church and keep church open and keep church vibrant and keep church faith-filled and keep church all about Jesus Christ because people need hope. People need vision. You know, as I was researching for this message, I was... Lots of statistics coming out right now about the season and the pandemic. And, you know, there'll be lots of research done in the years to come. But just a few that really, I think, are obvious, but some will stand out to you. But obviously, divorce is way up. Uh, suicide, way up. Depression, mental health issues are more prevalent than ever. Um, the Barna Group, which is a great group that does church sort of research and great equipping organisation, did just did a big state of the church in 2020 research, but this is one of the things that they said is 20% of churches will not reopen. One in three practising Christians have stopped attending church during COVID-19. One in three, 50% of millennials or 50% of young people have just stopped attending church, 50%. And the study also surveyed a large group and found that still 68% longed for prayer and emotional support, 50% are looking for a Bible-centered message of hope, and 35% want to connect within the faith family. This is the truth today. God has a vision for your life, and it's so important for us to not forget it. It's so important for us to be in church. Why? Because the Word of God gets ministered to our soul. It's our soul that's in the struggle so often. It's our soul that's struggling with uh, depression and mental illness. Our soul needs to hear the Word of God. Needs to be preached to. You know, when you go to church, you don't just hear a message. Your soul is nourished. That's what happens. Your soul is nourished and you don't even know it's happening. Because your soul is getting into alignment with the Spirit, but your soul is being nourished because God has vision for you and He has vision for me. There's a whole lot of bad news out there, but there's a whole lot of good news in here. Amen. There's a whole lot of good news that come from the Scriptures. There's a whole lot of good news in here. we we got to stop putting our phone above our Bibles. I've got a big conviction right now. I want my phone to be underneath my Bible. I want my Bible to be on top. I want my Bible to be the first thing I go to. I want God's Word to be the authority of my life, not social media. Because God has a vision for me. But I'm never going to know God's vision if I don't read His Word. I'm really big on physical Bibles. This is not, this is my, not my notes. I'm going, I'm going off-piste, as they would say in the skiing world. But I'm big on physical Bibles. You know why? It's because it's tangible. It's there. It's right in front of me. And I, and I like taking notes on my phone. I do that as well. I read my Bible on my phone. But there's just nothing that will replace God's Word. It changes my life, but I've got to open it. Yeah. And sometimes I don't, I don't feel necessarily always like reading it, but something happens when I just open it on, in front of me. Have you ever done this? Right. Like I just, oh, man, yeah, I just, I'm not there right now. But if I can just open it, it's amazing how my curiosity starts to take over. And I started to think to myself, oh, wow, I wonder what Psalm 138 says. Wait, wait, let me read it. Oh, give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple. I give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. You have exalted above all things in your name and your word. One day I called and you answered my strength of my soul. You increased. God has vision for your life. And it's powerful to get a hold of. It's powerful. I'd love it if you could write this down. Godly vision changes my life. Come on, write that down. I'm going to get it on the inside of you this week. Godly vision changes my life. What does that mean? It's simply this. Revelation changes my life. See, vision and revelation, they're synonymous words in the Bible. Whether it's revelation, prophetic vision, revelation. What is revelation? I'll make it real easy for you. It's God revealing himself. That's what revelation is. It's God choosing through his word, to reveal more of himself. You ever read a scripture and you're like, man, I know, I've read that scripture 10 times, but I've never seen that before. You know what happened in that moment? As you chose to put your faith and trust in God, he's revealed more of himself to you through his word. That is revelation. And revelation, listen to me, friends, it will change your life. It will turn, it will, you will turn a corner. You will all of a sudden receive a breakthrough. You'll get to a place, you're like, man, i have never seen that before. Man, God's revealed that to me. Oh, now I can live different. Godly vision changes my life. I feel like this is good preaching today. This is really good. Come on, online, get in the chat. Let me know. Give me some encouragement. This is good preaching today. All right. Godly vision changes my life. When God spoke, when God speaks in the Scriptures, change is always coming. Change for the good. Change for the the future. Even in Jeremiah 29, and in the face of exile, God's people. God is saying, yes, this is what's going to happen. This is what it's going to look like. But don't forget, I will bring you home. I will bring you out of captivity. You will be in a better place than you were before. It's the same with vision now. So number one, God has vision for your life. Number two, here we go. You can have vision for your life. So if God has vision for you, that means you can have vision for you. This is where the rubber hits the road because this vision season, you can have vision for you. You can actually have Vision for your future. God actually wants you to have vision for your future. And I'm going to explain why in a moment, but you know God, He actually wants you to have vision for your future, to dream and have vision and to believe to be in a better place tomorrow than you were today, to be in a better place next season than you are in this season, to be in a better place in 10 years than you are right now. You can have vision for your life First John chapter 5 and verse 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him. Look at this. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. I looked up that word anything in the Hebrew and the Greek. Guess what it means? Anything. It's amazing. Revelation. Anything. According to His will. Scripture says, He hears us. You can have vision for you. You can have vision for your life. The enemy wants you to believe like there is no vision for your life. See, his whole MO is to lie, cheat, steal, rip you off, take, it, take things away from you, for, 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 for you to feel desolate and full of despair and ultimately give God the blame. That's the enemy's, that, that's his MO. He wants to lie, he wants to cheat, he wants to steal, he wants to rip you off, he wants to take things away from you, and in the midst of all of it, he wants you to think that God is responsible for it, and that he's the one. How many times in my life have I found myself in a place where I've just been like, man, I feel like I'm getting the raw end of the deal, and God, where are you at? And All I did was accept and believe the lie of the enemy. God, the whole time, was giving me a future and a hope. I just forgot about it. You can have vision for your life. I feel like this is a message for someone today who's lost hope. I feel like this message is specifically for someone who feels like, man, there was a time in my life where I used to have vision. I used to dream dreams. I used to believe for great things with God. But you're here today and you're in a season right now where you don't dream. There is no vision. You feel like you've got no hope. Well, this message is for you. Because God is still the same God He was back then. He still wants you to dream. He still wants you to have visions. He still wants you to believe according to His will for good things to come, that change will come, that that good things are coming. You can have vision for your life. I feel like for some people, it's time to start dreaming again. It's time for you to start dreaming. When's the last time you dreamed about the future of your marriage? When's the last time you dreamed about the future of your kids' lives? When's the last time you dreamed about not just staying in where you're at work-wise, but you're going to go on to a better position or you're going to believe for promotion that you could get to a place and with God's help that you're going to get there one day? It's time to start dreaming again, having vision again, believing for good things again. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, it says this, And in the last days... It shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. You've got to have godly vision for your life. You've got to believe that God wants to do better. Why? Because it lines up with His nature. That's who He is. You can have it. What can you have? You can have a vision for a better future. You can have a vision for a great marriage. You can have a vision for your kids to be blessed. You can have a future for margin in your finances. You can have a vision for leadership in your life. You can have vision for a partner in life, if you haven't got one already. Just put that in there. Just... But you've got to get vision. You've got to pray according to... His will. Because scripture says that He hears you. You know, there was a time in my life, some of you may, may know my story, some of you may not, but when I was 17, I lost my mother to a devastating situation. She died of cancer. A couple years later, I lost my dad. It was just all, just all just happened in this period of time in my life. But I would honestly, if I was honest with myself right now, I would say this it was a season of despair. It was a season of hopelessness. It was a season of just like, well, everything was great. Now everything's not. And what, what does my future now look like? And, I began, honestly, just to, to, to lose all hope and lose vision and lose, you know, that the future would be good. I was in that place, and it's amazing how God allows crisis in our lives to ultimately draw us to Himself. That's my story, and it's probably many of your story as well, but He uses crisis. He allows crisis so that we get to a place of surrender, and that happened to me when I was 19, praise God. I found myself in a church just like this, and I started to listen to messages just like this one. I started to sit there and my pastor would just every Sunday be talking about my God-given destiny, my God-given calling, my God-given future, and how God has amazing things. If I choose to trust in a, in a, in a spirit of surrender decide that, no, I'm going to put my faith in God, I'm going to choose to trust Him, that He's got an incredible calling for me. He's got an incredible purpose for me. And it's just amazing and it's just incredible. And if you just sow your life into the things of God and God Himself, then He's going to reveal it to you. And this is what happened. I began to believe it. I began to say, yeah. And I remember I just began to be like, yes, this is what. And I began to dream. I began to have visions again. And in those early days of my Christianity, I used to hang out with my friend Marty. And Marty was a songwriter and amazing guy. And he was kind of like my big brother. He sort of swept me under his wing when I first got saved. And we'd hang out all the time. And I think I was just starting my first career or my first job or I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but I, I wasn't doing a whole lot. And uh, he used to just call me like all hours of the night. One time he called me at midnight. He's just like, hey, let's go pray. And I'm like, Marty, it's, it's midnight. And he's just like, no, let's go pray. And he's just, I'm like, well, okay, I, I guess I can get ready. He's like, no, I'm downstairs right now. <laughs> he's, like, he's one of those friends, you know. He's like, I'm downstairs right now type of guy. And we would just go pray. We'd just go pray. We talk, and we'd always. He, I remember he was the guy that I talked to about the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, walked in the Holy Spirit. He talked to me about the Holy Spirit all the time. But we started to talk about dreams and visions and what God was going to do in the future. And I remember I had that deep desire of longing for family. And I remember one time Marty was just like, "Hey, let's just pray for our wives. Let's just pray for our wives." And I remember thinking, Marty, we don't know who they are. We don't have names, no headshots, nothing. <laughs> but he's like, no, it doesn't matter. This is a, this is a vision thing. Let's pray for our wives. So we began to pray. I remember in his like, old van, we'd be like, Lord, Father, we pray right now for our wives, Lord. No matter where they are, Father, we pray you'd bless them. Father, we pray that you'd put your word into them. Father, we just thank you that they're blessed. And Lord, we just pray for your spirit to fill our wives. Wherever they're at, Lord, whatever they're doing, Father, we pray that you would bless our wives. We pray that you would give them the foresight to know that we're the one. <laughs> and you know, it seems, seems silly at the time. Seemed a little bit ridiculous at the time. Then a couple years later, I'm sitting in the same cafe I'd sit in every single Saturday morning reading the financial review. I was a businessman back then, and I was sitting in the finan- reading the financial review front to back, same place I sat every single Saturday morning, and then my vision walked in the door. You've got to have vision for your life. And as I began to have vision and believe for the future, this is what God does. He shows up. You can have vision for your life. God wants you to have vision for your life. This is why God wants you to have vision. this This is the whole point of the whole message. God wants you to have vision for your life so He can exceed it. God wants you to have vision for your own life. So He can exceed your vision. This is what it says. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 in the message, it says, God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Amen. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, His Spirit deeply and gently within us. God loves to show off. He loves to show His children just how good it is. He loves to take your vision. And say, oh, that's awesome. I love that you dream that. I love that you have vision for that. I love that, that that's, that's what you think that I'm going to do. Watch what I do now. Watch the way I bless you. Watch the way I give you abundance. Watch the way I give you the, all the blessings, even relationally, to come into a place where I am now. I've got all these kids in my house. We've got a beautiful wife. We're just blessed. God wants to show off. He wants to show you how good He is. So we've got to have vision in our life, ultimately, so God gets the glory but he shows us how good he is, and number three, come on, number three, Jesus has a vision for your life. So God has a vision ultimately. You then can have a vision, but Jesus had a vision for you. Jesus had a vision for you. What am I talking about? Hebrews chapter 12. Verse one, "Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us, cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. And sin, which, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 12, what does it say? What does it mean? For the joy that was set before him. What was the joy that was set before Jesus that caused him to steal in himself and to go to the cross? You know what that vision was? That vision was you. That vision was me. I feel like I need to say that again because no one responded in that moment. That vision was you. That vision was me. That vision was my mistakes. That vision was my sin. That vision was my shortcomings. Jesus had a vision for me. Jesus has a vision for you. Jesus has a vision of what? Of you being reconciled to the Father. We sang about it this morning, King of Kings, that song. I want to read the lyrics to you. It says, to reveal the kingdom coming, to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation. You did not despise the cross, for even in your suffering, you saw to the other side. Knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for our sake, you died. You were worth the journey to the cross. Online today, can I just encourage you from the Word of God that you were worth the journey to the cross. Everything you've ever done, every every mistake you've ever made, it doesn't matter. Jesus had a vision for your life, for your future. You were all worth it. You were worth the journey to the cross. You know, people say, oh, you can't use Jeremiah 29 now. It's Old Testament. You can't use it. There's no literal Babylon. And people troll you online for using it. But here's the point today is that we were all captive. We were all in captivity. We were captive to sin. We were unreconciled from God. We were separated. We were divided. We had no position in God's family. But because of Jesus and his vision for your life, it changed everything. Let me read Galatians 5 and verse 1, Paul's instruction to the church. He says, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Luke chapter 4, when Jesus opened up the scroll of Isaiah, He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me, me," listen to it, to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. This is the point Jesus had and continues to have a vision of you free. Free, unhindered, made whole, in a reconciled, redeemed, and adopted relationship with God. Jesus has a vision for your life future and a hope ultimately to be His. Would you stand with me? You received that word this morning? It feels like God's got some vision for them. I spoke before about someone I believe that maybe have come in here today and there was a time when you used to listen to stuff like this, and there was a time when you would, in that season, you'd, you'd believe, and you'd, you'd partner with God, and you'd dream dreams, and you'd have vision for your life, and there was that season, you know, where it's just like, that's what you did, but because of life, because of circumstance, because of conditions in Babylon, you've allowed yourself to get to a place now, and it's just like, I don't dream anymore, I have no vision anymore, I don't, I don't do any of that. That's that's what I used to do. And I'm no longer invigorated by what God, God says about me. I'm just kind of rolling and just trying to make it. I believe this word is for you today, that God wants you to dream again. He wants you to have vision again. He wants you to see into the future and believe and partner with Him and ask according to His will that He's going to do something incredible in the future. I believe today is your day where you leave the old behind. You say, hey, I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm not going to be someone who doesn't do vision. I'm not going to be someone who doesn't do dreams. I'm going to choose to dream. I'm going to choose to have vision for my life. I'm going to believe for a better future because God has vision for me. So I want to pray for you. Every head bowed and eyes closed. No one's looking around, but this is your moment. Like I said, I don't know who it's for. could be for many people. could be for one person. But if that's you today, you just, you need vision again. You need to dream dreams again. Just raise your hand. Just lift it up. Yeah, that's what I thought. Tons of hands. Tons of people. We're in a season of a real lack of hope in our world. I believe today is a day of new hope. Today is a day of new beginnings, choosing to focus that God has a vision for me. God has dreams that He wants me to dream and He wants me to, believe with Him and in Him for good things. Well, Holy Spirit, you see all the hands. You see them all raised. And God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, who makes all this possible. Father, we thank You for new vision and new dreams today. Father, this vision season, God, we pray for incredible vision, Lord. Father, vision of families coming together, Lord. Vision vision of families starting in our church, in our community. God, we thank you for marriages being restored. A vision of a future, a good future for marriages, God. Father, I thank you that children are going to come because of visions and dreams, God. Father, I thank you for provision. A vision of provision that's going to come. A vision of healing that's going to make its way into our world. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Let's worship God. Let's worship God.